morning and welcome to another edition of A Priest, A Minister, and A Rabbi Walk In to a radio station. And my name is Jay Horrigan. I am not joined this time by Dr. Pandora Carlucci, who is on assignment in California or somewhere. Right now, we'd ask Pandora how she is doing, and she would say fine. (laughs) (laughs) So that was very nice of her. We are joined, though, by our three faith leaders that we're always fortunate to have here anytime we're able to do the show. Um, And we'll start off with Reverend Doreen Auten. Am I pronouncing that right? You are, Jay. Yes, that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) He gave me a lesson before we started recording. Like ought not. Okay. (laughs) Just how are things with you, your congregation, any news, anything coming up? Yeah, things are really interesting and uh, going well, I think, at Franklin Federated. Our biggest news is that we have opened a thrift shop. And I, I think it will really meet a community need and be a good thing for the church as well. It is open on Wednesdays from 4 to 7 and Saturdays from 9 to 1. Once the farmer's market opens, we're hoping to be open during that time also and get some of the traffic there. We're thinking about Holy Week ahead and, you know, the temple at Saim is going to be using our space on Monday, Thursday. And so we were thinking about what we might do and we might have a house um, service at, at the parsonage. So just keeping it a little bit smaller and, and more that feel of a house church. So I'm really excited about that. And I do have to just sit, remind you, Jay, that we're no longer a priest, a rabbi, well, the, and a minister. Again, I don't mind if people want to think of me as a goddess, but I am <laughs> not a priest. We, we can change. We certainly can change the right, name right. to came, a goddess, a minister, and a rabbi. <laughs> walk in. But I think uh, we came up with Franklin Faith Forum. Yes. Is that okay? That's the new. That's name. the name yep. we said. Okay, Franklin Faith mm-hmm. Forum. You'll you'll. Uh, oh, it's right on the top of my outline. <laughs> so if I had read that, Rabbi, so that Just, should explain know. a lot of it. Uh, yeah, I missed that. Okay, mm-hmm. good, awesome. That's great about the uh, thrift shop. Yes, that's really thrifty neat. threads. I think okay. they're calling it. Next, we'll go on to Rabbi Tom Albert and check in with the rabbi. How are you, Jay? I am doing great, thanks. Good, good. So um, there is a gigantic amount uh, going on here uh, at Temple at Saim. So let me start on a personal note. I spent a week since we last met in Israel at the convention of the Central Conference of American Rabbis. Uh, it's a fascinating time to be in Israel. And, and um, uh, I've... Uh, put together some notes about it, which I have put into a blog and I will send out to the congregation and to everybody else soon, but uh, it was amazing. Meanwhile, um, at the temple um, this past Monday night, we celebrated Purim and as following a tradition, a centuries-old tradition, we did a play based on the Purim concept. This one focused as a Sesame Street theme uh, and had uh, so... Everybody was in costume, kids, grown-ups. We all had a great time. It was a big crowd. We had a lot of fun. And now we're uh, starting to get ourselves ready for Passover. The question that I am 
thinking of, and I'm sure it's on everybody's mind right now. What character were you? Ah, so I always, I, I have a tradition in the congregation of always playing Haman, who is the uh, wicked character. Uh, I think it's always sort of fun. To, but that part of the idea of Purim is everything is kind of upside down. You're, yeah. You know, it, it's uh, so... It's especially appropriate, I think, for the rabbi to play uh, the most villainous character and have everyone boo the rabbi. Uh, so I was, which in Sesame Street terms meant it was Oscar the Grouch. Okay. So I uh, was uh, very helpful congregants, provided me with a trash can with the word <laughs> scram on it. And uh, so I wore that and uh, wore a, a, you know, with a green shirt and a green wig and uh, tried to look um, uh, Oscar-y. That's, that's awesome. I, it just it strikes me that uh, Sesame Street, which was around when you and I were younger, yes, uh, obviously when you folks, that it's still around, still going it's, strong. It's, it's unbelievable. It is remarkable on Sesame Street because part of the reason that this worked, I think, incredibly well is that the older generation, pretty much anyone under the age of 70, yeah. uh, remembers it either from the, mainly from themselves, sometimes for their kids, but they remember it. And the and then all the way down to the little kids who are still into it and still get it. And which, so which is amazing consider at least when we were growing up, you had three channels you could watch, maybe right. four. Now kids have so many right. options that to see them turn to shows like Sesame Street, which provides such a positive culture and it, it's it's one of the few shows out there that you can recommend to kids right. and adults. I, I don't want to break it to you, kids, to you, Jay, but I think the kids actually don't so much watch it on TV as um, uh, stream videos. Just I'll, pre- I'll pretend you I still have a tube TV in my basement. You know, so. Turning up at a particular time right. to watch a particular yeah. show, that yeah, just that does not yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I have spent way too much time streaming shows over the last couple of weeks <laughs> being homebound. So, All right. And now we'll talk to Pastor Jacob Yunker. Uh, how are things with you? Things are going well. Yeah. At the church, we are um, marching our way through the season of Lent. And as we approach Holy Week, we have a series of services coming up. So we will celebrate Palm Sunday on April 2nd at our normal worship time at 10 a.m. And then during Holy Week, we'll have our normal discussion group on Wednesday evenings, which is a virtual meeting, and then have a a good Friday service at the church at 7 p.m. That'll be streamed and virtual and all that kind of stuff. Details can be found on the church website. I'm excited about Easter this year. The Franklin United Methodist Church and the Franklin Federated Church are going to be doing a joint Easter sunrise service. On the, uh, not quite sunrise. We'll be about thirty minutes late. But um, but what's exciting is is we'll be doing that Easter sunrise service at six thirty a.m. on the Franklin Town Common, and so excited about that opportunity to uh, welcome Easter morning when the sun is still low, uh, and and celebrate the that together. Uh, then we'll also on Easter Sunday have our normal worship time at 10 a.m. And then as has become our tradition the last few years at 11.15 following worship, there will be a public Easter egg hunt. So everyone, whether you come to worship at 10 a.m. or not, is invited at 11.15. 11.15? 15. 15. 15. Uh, to, to hunt eggs. It has grown 
every single year we've done it. And so uh, I think last year we had about 80 kids uh, hunt eggs on the church property. And so, um, again, you don't have to come to worship. You don't have to come to worship. No, actually, it's uh, their plastic eggs in there. The people who put that together, uh, they have a longstanding tradition of some of the eggs are filled with candy and some of the eggs are filled with numbers and if you get an egg with a number there is a big cart full of things that don't fit in eggs <laughs> so kind of prize sort of coloring books and small tokens and whatnot just not asking for myself asking for a friend is there an age limit <laughs> <laughs> so there is a um, as someone who has young kids, there's not per se an age limit, but we do separate. We have a couple different areas on our property, so yeah. the little kids are not trampled by the older <laughs> kids. Uh, and as a person with little kids in their house, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that that can happen quite easily if you put them all together. That sounds great. It, it, the um, the sunrise service. What uh, kind of brought that together? Was have you been planning it for a while? Is it uh, something you've just started or just decided to do, not just, I know there has to be a lot of work to go into it. So it has been a long-standing tradition that predates both Reverend Doreen and I of the Franklin Federated Church and the United Methodist Church doing sunrise services together. That was traditionally done at a different location, uh, and but we stopped during COVID. Right. And so now that we're a couple years post shutdown and we've gotten used to be doing those holy services, holy week services and services in person again, Reverend Dorian and I Who live brainstormed. on opposite sides of the common. That's right. right. We brainstormed <laughs> yeah. on we'll how we could bring the tra- walk tradition back. across with our cups of coffee. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so we're looking forward to it. The common is a beautiful location for yes. the service. Yes. Yeah. And... For those that, uh, just as a reminder, anyone from any faith tradition can attend that those services. That one, by its nature, because it's outside, will be a little more informal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in particular, if you are a well, while the Federated Church and the United Methodist Church won't have services for a couple hours after the sunrise service, if you're a member of St. Mary's, you can come to the sunrise right. service and walk straight over to the 7 a.m. mass yes. at St. Right. Mary's. Right. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And there, there will be chairs for people to sit on in case you imagine that you would have to stand. And it won't be a, a long service no. by any means. But. Okay. Jay, before we leave, while we're still in the commercial announcement yes. phase, I should pick – I should just uh, add to uh, what Reverend Otten said earlier about our um, – what the temple is doing for one part of Passover. So we have a tradition for the second night of Passover, which is April 6th, of having a, uh, a community Seder, the, you know, the Passover uh, special meal uh, for the second uh, Seder. And we do that uh, in the basement at the Federated Church. Thank you. And uh, that has also – is another example of something that uh, uh, fell by the the wayside during COVID, but is now back. So if anyone in the community is interested in attending this Seder on um, April 6th, they should check the Temple website, www.temple-etzchaim.org, and they will find out how to sign up and register. Uh, There's a fee because 
there's food and we need to pay right, for it. Right. Uh, but uh, that's but it's it's always lovely and you need to have no connection with the temple whatsoever. So uh, if anybody would like to come, please do. That's that's awesome. You can also get to all three of our faith leaders congregations website through the Interfaith Council website and check out everything we've talked about so far. Rybev, one note I made, if folks go to your website, will they be able to see or get to the blog you were talking about for your trip to Israel? One hopes soon. Yes, okay. Yeah, not not yet. Yes, but, uh, I, I th- I'm hoping by the time the show airs, the answer will be yes. Okay, great. So that right there is something to obviously check out. And the um, Interfaith Council website, what's that again? It is franklininterfaith.org. Franklininterfaith.org. Okay. I'm not that fast. (laughs) A typer. Awesome. So people can check that out. You don't have to remember necessarily everybody's specific address. You can go there and then choose, pick and choose where you go, correct? Correct. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. We uh, just while we're on it, is that where I know we in a previous show talked about uh, the fuel assistance program that you guys with the Interfaith Council. Is that to get information? Can you do that through that Interfaith Council website? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I think you can we also said that you can also contact any of the faith leaders of from the Interfaith Council, right. and they right. will get you connected up. Well, and if 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 needed, you can contact us here mm-hmm. at the radio station. We'll put you in touch with whoever. We have a uh, Twitter page. We have a Facebook page. So anyway, if you want to get in touch with us and find out more about that, hopefully the fuel will continue to have a winter like we've had so far, and the fuel won't be as big an issue right. as it's been in years past. So. Yep. All right. So now this is where... Pandora would take over. (laughs) She's a no-show, so you get more of me. Uh, We're going to talk today uh, a little bit about redemption and salvation and how it relates to the spring holidays that that all the communities, faith communities, are are going through. And we'll start with Pastor Jacob to... uh, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) And uh, you can edit out that side. Yeah, right. So I I have a. If you could see us here, the way everybody's sitting, I just go in order. And Rabbi Tom is so smart; he sits in the middle. He knows very rarely I will go to him first. Pastor, just uh, take us through some of the things you do, the important things. I know everything's important, but so Easter stands arguably at the center and is the most important season on the Christian calendar, more so arguably than Advent and the celebration of Jesus's birth. And the idea behind that is that on the cross, um, we find the most important act of God that, that we celebrate as, as Christians. And so that act can be interpreted in many different ways, and the Christian tradition has, has interpreted it it's called, it's called the seminary term is atonement theory. You can figure out like all kinds of different ways people have thought about what the cross means and what uh, mm-hmm. the resurrection of Jesus is, which stands, which is the, the fulcrum point for the entire Easter holiday, right? So Jesus's 
tried and put on a cross and dies and then three days later uh, rises from the dead at the resurrection. That is the the historic events that the Easter holiday revolve, revolve around. So in terms of how I uh, march through that holiday and how I understand it, I think at a most basic level, and I hope this isn't oversimplifying it and I get in trouble with congregants <laughs> and bishops and whoever else listens to this radio show, but kind of the simplest way I think about the cross is on the cross we find the full display of human brokenness. Jesus is quite literally beaten. His body is broken. Uh, he's left alone, uh, ab- abandoned there, and that is the worst that anyone can experience on this earth the pain, the trauma, the isolation, the abandonment. Uh, and so on the cross, we see the worst of, of what the world is. And Jesus dies because of that. God, God dies. And that's somewhat of the heretical statement maybe that some will claim. But I, I truly believe that God, Jesus dies on the cross. God is dead. But we find that not even that pain, the death, the isolation can keep God from the world God loves. And that's what we celebrate on Easter morning, that not even death, the most extreme of isolation, can keep God from coming to us. Mm. Uh, And it's that being with us, that coming to us, that is the the primary understanding of arguably of Christianity. And so when we talk about redemption and salvation, I know a lot of people want to talk about it in terms of like a personal interaction. But for me, I think of it as more uh, communal and global in scope. That is, we are saved because God invites us and God comes to, to be with us. And we no longer have to experience pain, isolation, and abandonment anymore. So that would be how I would, in a couple minutes, describe the holiday and what it, what it means, at least for me. And you know what? Let's follow that up if it's okay with Reverend Doreen, to amplify whatever Pastor Jacob says, or your, I don't want to say different version, but your thoughts on the same thing. Very much congruent with Reverend Jacob. Um, I I also see the cross as, as again, that display of of human brokenness and and the resurrection as a way of saying love wins. Mm. Even with all this, love wins. God's love can't be entombed, can't be killed, uh, basically. It will always come back. Um, you know, it, it's, the cross is, a, I think, a challenging symbol. Um, and it's been, I think, I think, misinterpreted in a lot of ways, the idea of God requiring this sacrifice to redeem. Redemption is about redeeming humanity. Bro- humanity's broken, so God requires a sacrifice. I don't like that image of God. And so I really struggle with that interpretation. I don't think God would ever require that, but but that God allowed and Jesus was willing to continue spreading the message of love and healing and wholeness, despite the fact that he was saying things that would get him killed, mm-hmm. right? And it was allowed to play out the whole way through. It's it's a complicated, you know, it's, and there's nothing to to do, I think Lent is a season of reflection and, mm. and perhaps repentance and recommitment. I think of redemption myself almost as a remembering, remembering who and whose we are, that we are of God and that we are called to live in a way that emulates Jesus or recognizes the oneness of all humanity. And 
I see the cross as a caution. And when you don't, this this is what happens, right, mm-hmm. is we bring out the worst of each other. So I believe that Jesus was one um, person who invited people into this new way of life, and there were others, that there is there is redemption, if you want to call that, or remembering available to everyone about that we are we are one people. The, uh, just something that popped into my mind may not even be, it can be, if we go there, I, I, it would potentially take over the, the show and what we're trying to do. But you had mentioned that um, you thought the cross, I forget exactly what word you used. Uh, challenging. Challenging. Yeah. I, I don't know if yeah. you thought it was a, said it was a divisive symbol or there's, do you feel like that has become more of an issue in recent years where you see a lot of things have changed? There's a lot more divisiveness out in everyday life. Do you find it more of an issue that you need to deal with now than maybe you did five years ago or 10 years ago? I think what Reverend Doreen was referring to was the differing ways in which the cross can be interpreted. Mm. I, I do say in that kind of, it kind of came out in my comments as well. There is a growing, people think that their interpretations are the only interpretations and that's where the divisions and the mm. divisiveness uh, occur. Uh, so I, I do think in our understandings of the cross, you do start to see some, dis- I wouldn't say divisions, but very much distinctions in people trying to say, well, here is, here is the problem, mm. and this is how the cross answers that problem. And the answer, the interpretation is different, so the answer looks different, which it, it's the problem's been identified differently, so it's kind of... This is where these kind of variations um, uh, happen. I would maybe offer one follow-up to that. And I think one of the things that we have done in modern times, in particular with Good Friday and the cross, is sanitize it such that we forget how gruesome it really was. And as we wear the cross on our necks or see crosses displayed in churches, we fail to recognize the deep agony and abandonment and... And just the awfulness mm. that that our that Jesus in, endured. The the cross is a historical event. You can argue about the resurrection, but the cross was a the Jesus hanging on the cross was a historical event, mm. um, and that it was um, it was it was terrorizing. The the cross was a, a symbol to keep people in line. Right. It was mm. um, a and symbol I, of Roman. Oppression right. and terror. Don't mess with, yes. don't mess, you know, obey the law or else. Um, and when we sanitize that or dilute the, the, the picture, we, we lose some of the joy, I think, of what Easter really symbol, symbolizes. That is the triumph of God over all of that uh, awful stuff uh, that Jesus, Jesus endured. So, so, yeah. So, anyway, I don't want to commandeer that anymore, but just want to... Just to just to clarify that a little bit, because we commercialize our holidays, Easter and Passover, to such an extent that sometimes we take the edge off of the images and the and the message. And I can't speak for the Passover, although I do know the story, and it has its barbs and edges on it as well. We should be hesitant to do that. I think we need we need to allow that to just shock us, <laughs> so that we pay attention. I, I think there's I, I, that's so well said, and I 
I think um, a lot of it, the, the sanitization of it or dilution of it, I, I wonder if that's done maybe to make more people included or I'm not sure why, but it has clearly changed over the years about talking or, or hearing about how traumatic and how brutal all that was. You don't hear about it. And I, I mean, it's just not to, a child friendly season. No. And then and just to be I mean, just to be able to make just to be able to make the transition, the, eggs and yeah. money. the story of the Passover isn't right. either. Right. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that right. is it, it, it's not just Easter. It's also the right. ho- the holiday uh, that Rabbi Tom and his congregation is going to be celebrating and as just, well. Just one more thing. A lot of times, if, if people are uh, Sunday churchgoers but don't do much else, you go from Palm Sunday, which is the celebratory Jesus coming into Jerusalem, to Easter Sunday, which is celebration of the resurrection, and you completely miss the whole passion. So that's why mm. I think it's important that churches offer something, that there's some time during that week spent mm. on the passion. Which leads us to Rabbi yes. Tom. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the first thing I think I want to take out of the previous conversation is uh, how impressed I am that bishops are actually listening to our uh, radio <laughs> show and I need to be on my game. The hope is that she, she's not. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> um, so. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's several things. Um, Passover is equally the center of the Jewish calendar, or really one of two foci to use, uh, because um, the, the they're the fall holidays, especially Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the New Year's and the Day of Atonement, which tend to be very personal holidays about you know renewal, and then. Completely, the, the flip side of the calendar, six months later, uh, is uh, Passover, which is a, a major communal holiday. And it is, in many ways, it's really the central Jewish holiday because it is what produces the exodus from Egypt. And if you, it just, if you even look in the Ten Commandments and it talks about the Sabbath, there are two versions of the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath in Exodus, it's referred to as the seventh day of creation. That makes sense. But in Deuteronomy, uh, the Sabbath is a remembrance of the exodus from Egypt. It's something we as Jews have central in our experience. And partially the sense of, of redemption, which I'll get to more in a minute, because in our prayers, we celebrate the, the history of, uh, of the world is creation, then revelation, learning what God wants us to do, and ending with the ultimate redemption of humanity. And when we do the redemption of humanity, what we read is a text about the Israelites being redeemed from Egypt, as if to say, God's done it before, God can do it again, is our kind of uh, focus. On the the question of uh, being aware of the significance, well, two things. It's said that the whole Passover Seder, which re- essentially recapitulates the experience of, of uh, going out of Egypt, begins in degradation and ends in praise. That is to say, we were slaves, now we're free, thank you. That's the core story, and it's important to remember both. And the um, there's a line in the 
Haggadah, which is essentially the text for the Passover Seder, that says um, every person is required to feel as if they themselves had been liberated from Egypt. That is to say, uh, we the Passover Seder is a kind of uh, immersive multimedia experience dealing with uh, senses of uh, smell and taste and sight as well as sound, you know, all, all the, whatever, all of them. Um, <clears throat> and part of that is that each of those we're supposed to remember how difficult slavery was and therefore how amazingly good freedom feels. And if we and if we have not ourselves experienced it, not just heard about it, but put ourselves into this, we haven't done what we're supposed to do. It's not easy, you know, and of course there are kids around the table and you have to deal with them and everybody else, but you have to uh, create an experience that allows people to experience it all at their own levels, both the difficulties and the joys. There are all kinds of ways we do that. Let's see. Redemption, okay? So redemption. So the, the Hebrew word for redemption, ga'al, involves in biblical terms both individuals, you know, people and God. And when you put it all together, the, the people story and the God story, what you're dealing with is the idea of somebody who is able to get you out of a tough scrape. Egypt, the word for Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. And the ayim ending implies something, that groups of two. It, it's a special plural called dual plural, so twos. And <coughs> tsa'ar in Mitzrayim is narrowness. And so to put together, Egypt is the narrow place. It is the place where you know, it was essentially hard to breathe because of how much you had to work and how your life was not your own and most notably your ability to worship God was not there. And then we come out of Egypt into the wilderness, which is an open place. And the openness, the ability to breathe, to to have a sense that we can do what we're supposed to do instead of what somebody is making us do is central to the story. And, and God is seen as the one who redeems us, who, who is that protector who brings us out. And so to me, the lesson of that, insofar as we are supposed to imitate God, uh, Jewish and Christian idea, is that we therefore have an obligation to be redeemers of those in the world who need help. That's our, that's, we weren't just brought out to say, hey, we made it great. Woo! Who cares about anybody else? Let's pull up the ladder. We're done. No. We are redeemed in order to be redeemers. Um, and so we search for the ultimate redemption of the world, and we have to be a part of it. It's not going to happen by itself. That's, uh, that's really interesting, and I have to thank you for the uh, lesson in uh, more words that I'll have to look up. I can't keep track of everything, <laughs> but um, for for you, uh, Reverend Doherty, the the idea of redemption and salvation, and and with the Holy Week and Easter, how does that all play into it? How do you address it uh, with with your parishioners? 
Um, well, I, I preach regularly, I think, on, on the theme, although I don't use that language very often. And, and I think the language of, you know, is someone saved? I loved the preparation questions Jake, mm. Jake, Reverend Jacob sent, which is saved from what and saved for what? Right. And, and I think, you know, the, the United Church of Christ, my denomination in its statement of faith says uh, Jesus saves us from aimlessness and sin. So saves us maybe for purpose and and again, wholeness. I think of sin as a separation or at least a, an idea of separation from God that we're that we're not part of the whole, that we are individuals and and on our own, as you say, we don't have that the God backing us up, and and so redemption from that sin means we remember and we reconnect, and we see ourselves as part of rather than in the fight by alone. And I would say that's a consistent message in my in my preaching. the The idea of um, self sacrifice is actually more just just getting in tune with the reality that that my well being depends on your well being, right? That that we're all in this together, we are one body, one people, and and to uh, give up a self selfish want for the well-being of everyone is actually what is going to make me also whole and happy. Some people think of salvation as you know you get your place in heaven reserved. Uh, I, I don't think of it that way. I think of it more as uh, bringing heaven down to earth or, or helping helping God build the beloved community. So bringing the principles of, of the heavenly kingdom here, now. I, I, I think those are all great observations of, of, and for some people, just a different way to look at it, which I, I could think would be nothing but helpful. Pastor Jacob, just to amplify on that or, or where you're coming from on how are we redeemed that the what is being saved, what are you being saved from? Yeah, I, I liked Rabbi Tom's kind of brief uh, brief synopsis of Passover and the, the redemption that happens there of moving from being enslaved to being free, giving thanks, and then as a redeemed person working toward redemption of all. Um, kind of think of, actually a couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon and trying to distill down the essence of faith in a tweet. Um, <laughs> and that's basically what Rabbi Tom did. He kind of mm-hmm. put down in as short a form as he could. Uh, I, for that particular reflection, I I distilled it down to say God is with and God will work till none are without. And I want to then piggyback on kind of something that Doreen was talking about, but uh, in your words, Jay, amplify it to say, one of the things we've not talked about, um, and I think it's central to at least my understanding of the Christian faith, uh, is that salvation is a gift and redemption is a gift. It is not something that people earn. Now, there's a kind of a nuance there to say it is a gift. That is, the, it is, a, is something that God gives to us. But just because God gives it doesn't mean that, that everyone takes it. And so there is, in the Methodist tradition, we say, well, um, that gift of salvation is responsible. That is, it demands a response from the person receiving it. So you can't, you know, even though God has offered God's love, God has offered forgiveness, mercy, uh, the gift of reconciliation, you still have to 
accept that gift uh, and work with it. Human beings have great power to deny God. And I, and I, but I do think it's important for us to, to recognize that. And then the um, Good Friday, uh, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, that uh, it's called the Triduum, we recognize that all of God's saving work happens because of God's initiative. And if anything, humans just make it worse. Uh, and at Easter, we're then given the opportunity to join in the celebration of that, tri- that triumph with, with Jesus. But we, we don't earn it. We don't make salvation a reality or redemption a reality in our world so much as we work with God who's already done it. Uh, and I think that's an important thing that needs to be stated as we, as we think through this. And Rabbi Tom, uh, again, some of the same questions uh, that have been brought up ahead of time for us to discuss, the, the, uh, how are we redeemed? These are nice, easy softball questions. <laughs> how are we redeemed? What are we saved or redeemed from or for? Uh, it, it, how do you view that? Just to be clear, Jay, you're not doing slow bit slow pitch uh, softball <laughs> questions here. This is like 90 mile an hour fast pitch softball questions. And I will get back to we are clearly missing Pandora because this is this is her expertise. It took me a lot of practice just to be able to say that. So, so in the Jewish calendar after Passover, starting on the second day of Passover, we count each day Till we get for seven weeks. When the temple stood, you would bring a sheaf of grain of barley that was grown, that would be harvested at Passover. You'd bring a sheaf of grain each day, which was sheaf called in Hebrew an omer, sheaf called in English a bundle. Uh, anyway, you'd bring an omer of grain, so it's called counting the omer. And when you finish the 49 days, you get to the 50th days, which, 50th day, which in English is Pentecost, and in the Christian faith that uh, produced a, a different version of it, but it was based on this same Pentecost, this 50th day, Penta from the uh, Greek for 50, or in Hebrew, Shavuot, which means weeks, the festival of weeks. Now, the reason I'm telling you all this is that on Shavuot, the tradition is that that is when uh, God gave the Torah to the Jewish people. And by the Torah, I mean not just the five books of Moses, but more generally, basically God's plan for how we're supposed to live in this world. So you cannot have Passover without Shavuot. You cannot have freedom without moving toward the reason for that freedom, the way to live. And so what to me uh, redemption is about is, again, not just to celebrate, oh, I'm free, I'm, you know, going to go eat hot dogs on the 4th of July, as valuable as that may be, (laughs) Um, but I'm free for a reason. I'm free in order to live a life that is the life that God wants us to live and to be partners with God in making the world the kind of world that people should live in, which in turn will lead to the redemption of the world. Um, So uh, to me, what are you – so 
saved, I should say, add saved in Jewish tradition, um, generally does not have a, uh, so much of an afterlife idea. Um, and we can have a long conversation again about afterlives, but um, has a, um, it, the, the notion is that you are saved to live in this world, that the world is redeemed, the world is fixed from all of its miseries, uh, and that um, ultimately we are moving toward what we call the, a messianic age, a time of complete redemption, uh, when the world is all fixed. But in case anyone's curious, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to do what we can to get us there. Uh, it is to believe that there is always the possibility of better, that what we have when things are not working right, and not just the possibility, but the certainty that we can get to better, and it is up to us to do it. But you know, it, it will happen if we make it so. You mentioned, um, and I'm going to mispronounce it, so get ready to correct me. You you can't have Passover without Orem. Sh Shavuot. Shavuot. See, not even close. Right. How, how does, in, in the Jewish faith, the those holidays tie in, or do they tie in, with the rest of the holy holidays that you have throughout the year. So <clears throat> so every – there are three – in the Torah there are uh, – there's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are preparation holidays. There's the Sabbath, Shabbat, which happens every week. And then there are three other holidays, which in, refer to as pilgrimage holidays. That is, holidays when people would make pilgrimages, would walk to Jerusalem. And – they are Sukkot, which is the fall harvest. Each one is connected to a harvest. Sukkot is the fall harvest holiday. Uh, Passover is the, the spring harvest, and uh, Shavuot is the summer harvest, the wheat harvest. And so each of these are, are, these are two of the three harvest holidays. And Shavuot is regarded as the culmination of uh, Passover and the culmination of Sukkot, the, the fall Harvest holiday is something called Shemini Atzeret, which I really don't want to get into. But whatever they both are, are regarded as kinds of uh, – the, the holidays are linked in the same way. One for seven days, one for seven times seven days. Um, but there's a – so th they are all kind of central Jewish events, each with their own spe specificity, but all having something to do with what we're doing here. And every single one of them, all three of those pilgrimage holidays, has in some ways a connection to the exodus from Egypt because, as I said before, that remains the central event in the Jewish story. Uh, Reverend Doreen, if you want to talk about, you know, a little bit about how the holidays, the holy days in, in your faith are all kind of, to some extent, I think, intertwined. They, they stand on their own, but I I wonder if ultimately a lot of the, I don't know what the right word is, but the, the not the, necessarily the meaning behind it, but the goal of the holidays or whatever, do they all kind of relate to a central theme or is everything just stands on its own? I, I'm not sure. Jacob might be able to speak to this a little bit. And I'm not putting you on the spot. I guess I, I, think, I think a lot of it is about how God 
is with us. Yeah. God is with us, right? Come uh, incarnates vulnerably as, as a child to a struggling family of, you know, young unmarrieds or whatever it is. And, and, uh, and again, the, the gift of redemption and, and mercy right. and so forth that God continues to offer. I think religious traditions have developed certain holidays that, that may, or not, may not be related to other themes. One of the things that's been on my mind as we're talking is, I, you know, one of the challenges of the cross is that some of the interpretations of it have been used for terrible anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. about blaming Jews for the death of Jesus and, and just such a harmful interpretation. And, and our scriptures can be read in a way that support that interpretation. And so it's a challenge uh, and it's not a challenge for me to do because it, what I believe that that is a false interpretation and a harmful interpretation. But to to offer that correction regularly to say that this is you know Jesus was a Jew protecting mm. his religion and, and faith and his followers were all Jews and and it was the Roman oppression that that did this killing not not Jewish. So uh, it's it's always um this is a hard season for me thinking that way. Um, in an interfaith way and and how many Jewish people have have paid the price for Christian passion right and and their idea of the cross is you know was it one of my seminary professors said the most wonderful thing that never should have happened or you know the saving thing that never should have happened uh, so I, I just wanted to name that that it's, it's been really a harmful interpretation you mentioned that some of the scriptures, depending on how you want to interpret them. Frankly, I think that could be done with anything, whether it's scriptures, whether it, in my world, the basketball rule book, no matter what it is, <laughs> you can interpret it to fit your argument. It doesn't make you right. right, right. It just makes you... It, and, and it's important in interpreting things to be aware of historical context because... Mm-hmm. You think, we all think, that what there is today is what's always been. But what there is today is not what's always been. And phrases that are used in the New Testament uh, that are, are taken for these need to be understood in their context and not just, oh, I can read this. I know what it means. Mm. You don't unless you see what it was written for, why it was written, what the purpose was, what was going on in the society, because otherwise words just don't always mean they're never as simple as that. And, and it's a mistake. It's, it's, it's just a category mistake to think that they are. Yeah, I, I totally agreed. Jacob, do you have uh, anything you'd like to add to that? Nope. Excellent. Well done. <laughs> well done. They all said it very well. It, uh, and, and that could take us to a topic that we could spend the rest of the spring and summer on talking. And it it's a shame that there's so much of it going on, the anti-Semitism, and it, it just seems like we have become a society that is much more pitted against each other than I have some friends that are very involved politically, and they ask me where I stand. I'm just trying to find someone who's going to do the right thing. You know, not necessarily it's not a party or anything, but when that comes to religion and the way people celebrate their religion, it seems like it's become even harder and harder for for them to do it, especially the, the Jewish community. You remember that redemption thing? Yeah. We're still a long way off. Yeah, right, right. A lot of work to do. Well, that's going to 
take us to our uh, spiritual, sp- our reflection time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Should have practiced that one ahead of time. Uh, and fittingly, Rabbi Tom's going to take us through that. <clears throat> Thank you, Jay. So in the Passover Seder, there is a segment where we call out the 10 plagues that uh, uh, were brought on the Egyptians. And the tradition is that each time you say one of the plagues, you drop, uh, uh, take a drop of wine from your wine cup and uh, leave it on your plate as you call out each plague, either with your finger or with a spoon. And there's an explanation that has been posited for this. I don't know whether it's true as to why it came out. It doesn't matter that the explanation works, which is there's a story uh, 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 that the rabbis told a long time ago, what we call in, in Judaism a midrash, a, a kind of a filling in of the, the biblical text. And uh, the story imagines that um, when the Israelites got out of Egypt and uh, the Red Sea closed, on the, closed in on the Egyptians and the Israelites went through to freedom, that the angels started to celebrate. All right, yay, Jews are saved. And God says, wait a second, wait a minute. My creations are drowning in the sea. That's the Egyptians, the bad guys, right? My creations are drowning in the seas and you angels, you sing praises. And so the tradition says that the reason we take that um, drop of wine, we spill it each time one of the plagues is mentioned is that as necessary as those were to get to freedom, we don't celebrate other people's sufferings. We lessen our joy by that amount. And so I think the point is in this world where it is very easy to see enemies and to see people who indeed may be doing really bad things. I'm not saying that everybody who sees enemies is wrong about that, but you nonetheless need to be aware of the humanity of everybody. We are all God's creations and it is vital for us at the worst of times never to forget it. That was awesome. Um, I would ask uh, if you two had anything you wanted to add. No, that was It's hard to follow up on that. Yes. And it's left to me. That's exciting. Uh, (laughs) First of all, as we finish up here on another Franklin Faith Forum, I want to remind people uh, to go to the Interfaith Council website, franklininterfaith.org. That's correct? Okay. I actually wrote it down this time. So uh, you can find out what's going on uh, at all the houses of worship in town, Uh encourage you to attend the joint sunrise or just after sunrise service on Easter Sunday at the town common. Uh, Also, as Rabbi Tom invited people to a community Seder on April 6th, if I wrote that down. Great. Uh, But again, you can find those all at franklininterfaith.org, and you can find links there to the various uh, houses of worship uh, and also the fuel assistance program. I want to thank my co-host, Dr. Pandora Carlucci, for, well, just 
making me do this by myself. So thank you. <laughs> uh, well done, Pete. I, I want to thank Pastor Jacob, Reverend Doreen, and Rabbi Tom for putting up with just me. I would have thought they would have tried to reschedule as soon as they found out <laughs> that Pandora couldn't be here. Uh, also, as we do, and you never hear from them, but uh, Keith Palmieri is the one who runs this whole thing. And if it weren't for him, Lord knows what we would have going on here. I know I would be in deep trouble. So thank you to Keith. Uh, I'm Jay Horrigan. We'll talk to you next time on the Franklin Faith Forum.